Open your Bible, please, to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Last week, the Lord Jesus Christ introduced the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in his disciples. The Holy Spirit, he says, is another helper just like him. However, Jesus is about to go away. And yet, this Holy Spirit, this this other helper, is going to come to them. And even though Jesus is leaving, Jesus says, this Holy Spirit is going to be with you forever. He won't simply be with them. He's also going to be in them. Jesus calls him here the Spirit of Truth. The Holy Spirit. And we saw in Romans uh, chapter 8 that he's also called the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. So, what are we dealing with here? We're dealing with the Spirit of God. So, Jesus begins to open up the truth of the Trinity to his apostles just a little bit more. He's been talking about how that the Father is in him. And he is in the Father. He's also said that he is one with the Father. He's said that to see him is to see the Father. So you see the relationship between Jesus and God the Father there. And now he's saying that he's now one with the Spirit of God. That the Spirit of God is his Spirit. And you look there at verse 18 in John chapter 14. Because Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. But he had just said to them, it was the Holy Spirit that was going to be coming to him. So the Holy Spirit is Jesus' Spirit himself indwelling them. Hmm. Now, this evening, out of this passage, Jesus introduces yet another astounding truth to his And I'm calling them disappointed, sorrowful, and bewildered faithful 11 apostles. They're disappointed because the kingdom that they've been expecting isn't going to come. Jesus is not going to be declared king. He's not going to make them the heads of his government. And Israel is not going to be restored in glory to its former greatness all the way to the Euphrates River. They're sorrowful because... This is Jesus. This is the Messiah. This is their beloved and adored teacher and master and king. This is their hope for everything. And he's going away. And they they can't go with him. And they're bewildered. Because why aren't you going to establish the kingdom now? And why can't we go with you? And they're also bewildered by all this new revelation that Jesus has been giving them here, especially in John chapter 14, about who he is and his relationship to the Father and now his relationship to the Holy Spirit. They haven't heard things like this before. They've never heard any other rabbi or any other teacher say that God the Father was in them. Nobody would ever say a thing like that. 
And they never heard another teacher say that God the Father, that even though he was going away, that God the Father was going to send another teacher, comforter, encourager, strengthener, advocate. I mean, that's what paraclete means, all those things. But he was going to send somebody just like him to, in their thinking, replace him. No other teachers ever said anything like that. Jesus is saying so many things that they may be thinking if anybody else said stuff like this, he'd be accused of blasphemy. And, and this is overwhelming. That they cannot comprehend the things he's saying about himself. Because remember, they're still stunned by the fact that he said he's going away. And he's not going to bring in the kingdom they're expecting on the timetable they expect. So, this evening, the Lord Jesus is introducing another, what I would call, astounding truth. And that astounding truth is that he will be in them and they will be in him. He will be in them and they will be in him. More teaching that they can't get their hands around. More teaching that they've never heard anything like this before. So let's begin with verse 19. And follow along as I read verses 19 through 24. After a little while the world will no longer see me. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Pray with me, please. Lord, as we look into what you're saying tonight, we confess that in our own intellect, in our own native abilities, we can't figure this out. We're just as bewildered as these 11 men are when they heard it the first time. So we pray that you would teach us by your spirit and that we might see the glory of who you are out of this passage tonight. We ask this in your name, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus the Christ, God the Son. Amen. Mm. Look at verse 19. After a little while, the world will no longer see me. That's going to take place in about 18 hours. Tomorrow afternoon, he's going to die on the cross. Joseph of Arimathea and uh, Nicodemus are going to take him down from the cross and they're going to bury him before sundown. So 
tomorrow afternoon, late tomorrow afternoon, the world will not see him anymore. But he says, but you will see me. After the resurrection, he'll appear to them in the upper room. He's going to appear to two disciples as they go on the road to Emmaus on that Sunday after the, when he's raised from the dead. He's going to appear to them for about 40 days until he ascends back into heaven. They're the only ones who are going to see him. The world's not going to see him. He's not going to display himself to the world. At most, about 500 people are going to see him at one time. But they're all believers. They're all disciples. So he says, After a little while, the world will no longer see me. But you will see me. And of course, this just makes no sense to these poor guys. They're sitting there thinking, but you're supposed to bring in the kingdom. Why don't you disclose yourself to the world? Because that's what you're supposed to do. They're supposed to see you in all of your power and all of your glory. They're going to see you as the Messiah. And then you're going to reign over Israel. What do you mean that? We alone are going to see you and the world isn't going to see you. This is mind-blowing again. And Judas is going to be the one in just a couple of verses who's finally going to blurt out the question. How can this be? Hmm. Then he says, because I live, you will live also. Hmm. Supply the word forever in there. Because I live forever. You are going to live forever also. His resurrection is going to guarantee their resurrection to eternal life. And when they see him, they're going to know that. He is going to give them eternal life just like he promised. Back in chapter 11, verse 25. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he dies, will live again. And he who lives, he who believes, and he who lives and believes in me will never die. That's his promise. Believe in him, you never die. Physically, yes, we'll die just like he did. But he's going to give us eternal life because we die like he did, we'll be raised from the dead just like he was raised from the dead. Mm. then in verse 20 he says on that day you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you on that day what day is that that's the day he's been talking about last week the day when the Holy Spirit comes to be the another helper that he was and when's that going to happen that's going to happen at Pentecost we know it happened in Pentecost and not before Pentecost because they still don't get it even when he's about to be ascending into heaven after 40 days. They still have 10 more days in Jerusalem waiting on the Holy Spirit before they finally realize what he says here. He says, on that day when the Holy Spirit comes, you will know, you will realize, it'll be clear to you then that I am in my Father and you and me and I and you hmm. that I am in my father he's already said that before back up in verse 11 
Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. In other words, he's saying, now I am in my Father, not just the Father. Reminding them of his unique, completely, utterly unique relationship to the Father. That this man Jesus really is God, Yahweh's only begotten Son. Only natural Son. Only Son out of him, himself. He said, believe me that I am, you, or rather you will know that I am in my Father. And you in me. And again, you can imagine these poor disciples sort of like us say, what do you mean you? That we are in you. You in me. What? How? Because I don't know if you're like me, but the first time I read that, I was thoroughly perplexed. So, What do you mean? I can understand you being in me, Lord. Because you've already told us that that's going to be the Holy Spirit. It's going to be your spirit that's going to come live in us. But what do you mean that I'm in you? Because we have a tendency to think in physical terms now. How can I be in you? And what he's talking about here is the same thing he was talking about back up in verse 11. Which is, you are in me spiritually. He's talking about a spiritual union. It's the same way that he is in the Father. Uh, Our spirits will be or have been for us joined with the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Son of God. Joined with the spirit of God the Son. Now, we'll get to this in two weeks. He's going to explain it in chapter 15. So you just have to wait until we get to chapter 15 before we fully understand what it means that we are in him as well as him being in us. But our objection is, and their objection may have been that night, how can I be in you? I'm a sinner. How can my Blemished, that's, that's too easy. How can my rotten, sinful spirit be united, be glued to your perfect Holy Spirit? Ah, remember he said that's going to happen on that day. On that day when the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. On that day when God is going to fulfill Ezekiel 36. I'll give you a new heart. And I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll take the heart of stone out of your flesh. And I'll give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you. And I will cause you to walk in my statutes. And to keep my judgments and to do them. This is how our spirit is going to be united to the Lord Jesus Christ's spirit. It's because it's not going to be that old sinful spirit that we had. It's going to be the new spirit that he puts in us when the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. This new clean spirit. This completely clean spirit. A spirit that, as he says, 
is utterly new. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. He's going to give us a spirit that has never, ever existed before he gives it to us. He's going to make our spirit completely new. And it's going to be this clean spirit, this new spirit, that's going to have a desire for the Lord Jesus Christ that's going to have a hunger for the Lord Jesus Christ that is going to willingly submit itself to the Lord Jesus Christ and this is the spirit this new spirit in us that is going to be in him this is on new territory this is new ground these boys have never been on before I can understand it's one thing for you, Lord, you're the Son of God, to be united with God the Father. But we're just creatures. We're still fallen creatures. And you're saying we are going to be united to you and you're going to be united to the Father. That's something we never even dreamed of. Mm. And then he says, and I in you. Look at him there. On that day you'll know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And we're back to verse 18. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. I will indwell you. It'll be my spirit indwelling you and united to your spirit. Now I want you to notice something here. Jesus makes this outrageous statement that I mean this the rabbis never talked like this. The priests never talked like this. You can't find anything like this in reading the law. We are going to be united with God. Spiritually. I mean, we're so far from God. We're so different from God. He's transcendent. We're down here on this fallen earth. We've got a track record that's just outrageously sinful. And Lord, you say you're going to do something that's going to unite our spirit to yours. But notice that nobody asks him a question about that. Nobody interrupts him. Nobody says, Lord, wait a minute, hold it. My bearings are burning out. Stop for a second, please. Explain that to me. It's because they're even more overwhelmed by this than we are. You see, when we read this for the first time as Christians, we've got the Holy Spirit living inside of us already. You know, he wrote it, he inspired it, and so he interprets it for us, and it still overwhelms us. It still makes us wonder, what in the world are you talking about, Lord? And we've got the Holy Spirit. These poor boys, they're still on their own. They don't have the Holy Teacher to be able to interpret it for them. So their jaws are hanging open, their their eyes are bulging, and they're wondering, what? So at this point, they're not ready to ask any questions. And notice verse 21. Jesus continues. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. Same pattern that we saw up in verses 13 through 15. 
What you have is this, this circuit-blowing promise from the Lord Jesus Christ. Something that, again, they had never heard anything like this before. And then it's followed up with, keep my commandments. You see what he's doing? Don't get distracted by what you don't understand. We have a tendency, especially as Calvinists, to want to understand every jot and tittle. And that's good to an extent. But if we're not careful, it'll cause us to start boring down and we forget everything else. We just get so tunnel vision focused on wanting to understand this one thing that it consumes our time. And we have to be reminded that we're never going to understand anything as fully as we want to. And the main thing, the most important thing, is just do what he's already told us to do. It's like the doctrine of election. You get into it and you start boring down and they're saying, but why did you choose us? And you forget. The most important thing is to rejoice in the fact that you have been chosen and just obey what he's told us to do. Just keep his commandments. That's it. Trust me. Literally, when he says, keep my commandments, guard my commandments like treasure and do them. You have my commandments. You have what I've told you to do. You keep them, which is to guard them like a treasure. You do that. You love me. That's the definition of loving the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, we're not talking about some warm, fuzzy, sentimental feeling. What we're talking about here is agape. Agape is a determination to seek what pleases him. To seek what glorifies him. That's the kind of love he's talking about. And he says, if you treasure my commandments, if you do what I told you to do, then you are loving me. Because it's out of a grateful heart that you're loving me. It's out of a loyal heart that you're loving me. It's out of a loyal heart that you're obeying me. And the promise, he who loves me, that is, loves the Lord Jesus this way, will be loved by my Father. And again, we're not talking about some that God the Father is going to say, Oh, you're just precious. No. God the Father is going to be determined to seek what is best for us. He's going to do the very best. Remember, God's love for us is Romans 8.28 love. That we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. His love for us is that he is going to make sure that everything that comes into our life works for our good, works for our spiritual good. In other words, even the painful things, even the disappointing things, even (coughs) the frustrating things, even our own sin and failure, he's going to turn it for our good. That's the kind of love that God has for us. And he says that if we treasure his commandments and do them, the Father is going to love us in that way. 
And then he says, and I will love him. You keep my commandments out of a new heart that I'm going to give you. You gratefully, you out of a, a heart of loyalty, out of a heart of devotion to me, out of a heart of trust in me, you're doing what I said to do. I love you. I'll love you exactly the same way the Father loves you. I'll make sure that everything that comes into your life is going to work together for your good. Now, Eric said it this morning, and I just said it just now. Even He will make sure even our sin works together for our good. We're not saying, shall we sin that grace may abound. What we're saying is that as new creatures in Christ, we don't want to sin. But yet we still do because we're not glorified yet. We still have this flesh indwelling us. And so every now and then sin rears up its ugly head because of our flesh. And we say that thing. We do that thing. We think that thing. And what happens? You say, boy, I'm so glad I did that. No, we don't. The Holy Spirit immediately convicts us. And we grieve. Lord, I've done it again. I said that. I can't believe I said that. Yeah, I can't believe I said that. But cleanse me, please. And sometimes when we failed the worst, when we have grieved God the worst by what we've said or done, he'll make sure we never forget it. He'll turn that to our good by it will be a road mark for us to say, Lord, I don't ever, ever want to do that again. And it'll be an instrument in his hand, a tool in his hand to conform us more and more into the image of Christ. Did that make sense? Good. See, just saying, I love Jesus can just be empty words. We get a lot of that. Uh, there's a hymn that I'm sure is a good hymn, but I've never been able to sing it. Uh, everybody else around me might be singing it, but I, I won't sing it. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. The only part I can sing then is because he first loved me. It's easy to say how I love Jesus. But Jesus says, if you don't do what he says, you don't love him at all. All you have is some syrupy, sappy, sentimental feeling about him, but that's not love. Hmm. Remember again, what we're talking about here is agape. And the reason that we are going to keep his commandments is not because we're such wonderful treats for the Lord. It's because we know he chose us just like he chose this twelve. We know he forgave us and cleansed us and justified us just as we were sinners. He justified us with his own blood and suffered all the horrors of the wrath of God on the cross. And we do what he says. We treasure his commandments and we do them because he indwells us. He's given us that new heart. He's given us eternal life. And so out of this new heart springs gratitude, loyalty, 
and joyful trust. We treasure what he says and we do what he says. Now I know I I drove that into the ground but I want to make sure that we got it. And it just keeps getting better. Mm. He who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him. Mm. Then look at verse 22. This is where Judas comes in. Judas is just like Simon Peter here in verse 22. Judas, not Iscariot. As a matter of fact, it's Judas, the son of James. We find that in Luke 6, 16. It's where he's described. Said to him, Lord, what then has happened? That you're not, that you're going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world. You remember what Simon Peter said to the Lord Jesus in chapter 13. Where the Lord Jesus said that you, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. Even as I have loved you that you love one another. He said that right after he said I'm going away. Simon Peter heard I'm going away and didn't hear anything after that. Jesus has been telling us all this good stuff about how if we love him, then the Father will love us and he will love us. Judas hasn't heard anything except a little while and the world will see me no more. (laughs) He forgot. He just missed everything out there. So in verse 22, he asked the question. Now, notice that Jesus doesn't answer his question. You know? The Lord knows they're confused. They're overwhelmed. They're full of all kinds of perplexity. And that's where this question's coming from. I'm perplexed. It doesn't matter that you're perplexed right now. Just keep my commandments. And so he just keeps on with what's important. Look at verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, And doesn't answer his question. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. You missed this, Judas. And we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. He repeats what he'd already said before. Oh, where is it? Oh, back in verse 21. And he just turns it around. In verse 21 he says, He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. In verse 23 here, he says, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It's all the same thing. This is the proof that you love the Lord Jesus Christ. You do what he says. You trust him, and you do what he says. It's inconvenient to our flesh, but we do what he says. And he says, If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. And he repeats again, my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. We, the father and me. We will come to you. Wait a minute. Haven't we heard something that sounds like that a little bit earlier? Look up at verse 17. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. You know him because he abides with you. 
and will be in you. Verse 24. We will come. I thought it was the Spirit who was going to come. And the answer is, yes. The Spirit will come. And when the Spirit comes, my Father comes. And I come. And make our dwelling with you. Dwelling. Home. Where you live. Permanently. When we go to Zimbabwe, you know, we'll pack some clothes. We'll take some books. And we'll be over there for a few weeks. We'll live out of our suitcases. And we're living in Zimbabwe. We're working in Zimbabwe. We're eating in Zimbabwe. We're sleeping in Zimbabwe. But it's not home. That's just where we are for a little while. And then we come back home. You see, all we take is some clothes and maybe a a couple of medications with us when we go to Zimbabwe. Now, home is where you move in. Home is where you bring all your stuff. You bring your furniture, you bring your appliances, you set everything up. And you may go away on a vacation for a week. You may go to Zimbabwe for a few weeks. You may go anywhere else for a while. You know, if you're in the National Guard, you might go to summer, uh, summer camp, like we used to call it, for, uh, for a couple of weeks every summer. But that's not home. You come back to home, to where you moved in. What Jesus is saying, you love me? My Father and I are going to make our home with you. We're going to move in to you. We're going to stay permanently with you. Everywhere you go, we go. All through the day. You need wisdom? Ask for it. We're right there. You're disappointed by something? You need comfort? Ask for it. We're right there. You need strength? We're going to give you strength because we're going to be right there. You need understanding? We're going to give you understanding because we're going to be right there. You mess up, you know, and that wrench slips, catches that same knuckle again, and you say those lovely words, thank you, Lord, for this, or something else, and you get, it will convict you, and we'll correct you, and we'll also assure you because we're with you we will never leave you we will never forsake you we're here you're ours you love my son I love you you love me I love you and I have moved into you and my father has moved into you permanently these poor boys there's no way they can grasp that I mean, they're, they're still so full of disappointment. They're still so perplexed. Jesus is dumping all this on them in just a few breaths, in just a few sentences. But he's doing it for us. Because it's been recorded. So that we can take the time to read it and to ponder it and to marvel at the fact That God in all his fullness, Father, Son, 
and Holy Spirit in the person of the Holy Spirit has come to live in us and will never leave us. You do know that in heaven we will be filled with the Holy Spirit forever. In heaven, we're going to see the Lord Jesus Christ face to face forever. In heaven, we're going to be with the Father forever. But now, here in the the dirty down and now, he's with us now. Do you see that Jesus is saying things here that are incomprehensible to someone who doesn't have the Holy Spirit which these boys don't yet but it's recorded for our benefit and there's something else that's going on here as well Jesus is making the doctrine of the Trinity just a little bit clearer once again he's showing them the spirit will dwell in you my father will dwell in you I will come with my father to dwell in you Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Distinct persons, yet one. God in all his fullness is with us and in us. What a a gracious promise. What a gracious God. Now stand with me. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. And we are dismissed.